Good morning. Thanks for being here today as we have this opportunity to continue on in our series on harvest. Uh, so every week, look at our scripture texts that are read for us. Thank you, Lindy, did a fantastic job today. Look at those scripture texts and pull out from them that concept of harvest and what that means in our life for us today. That'll be the continued theme moving on into the next couple of weeks into our time of Thanksgiving together. So today, uh, the subject matter that we want to be able to look at is traditions. How many of you have uh, fall traditions that you do with your family? Anybody have fall traditions that they do? There's got to be somebody that does something in here. Okay, so fall traditions. Um, think about maybe it was a few weeks ago. Maybe you have a family that you get together and have a pumpkin carving uh, ceremony with. Maybe you guys have a little contest amongst your family who sees who can, who can carve the best pumpkins. Maybe you have uh, an art festival that you go to or some type of fall festival that you go to uh, every fall. Uh, maybe you're one of those people who really likes all the pumpkin stuff during the fall time, and so you just have as much of it as you can, as many pumpkin lattes or as much pumpkin bread or pumpkin pie, whatever, whatever it is. We all have different traditions in our family, but think of it with me uh, in this way today. It doesn't matter what traditions we have that we celebrate, the traditions that we have don't make fall happen. It doesn't matter how much pumpkin stuff I consume. It doesn't matter how many traditions I carry on from year to year to year. It doesn't make the season of fall happen. It doesn't make the leaves fall from my tree. It, it happens on its, on its own. And it's the same thing for us within worship and within our lives as Christians. There are a lot of traditions that have been created for people to be able to follow that direct us to God, that help us be organized within worship, or that pull our attention to being able to know what our Savior has done for us. But none of those things precisely on their own make worship happen or make us have faith. Again, important traditions, many that are fun for us, but they don't make the completion of our relationship that we have with God. And that scripture text that was read for today, if you're anything like me, uh, when you go through those verses, it would be so easy to read those verses and then not know what happens in the text. We get a little bit out of the story but as you read through there, it would be so easy just to breeze through super fast and miss the points that are being made. So today, I kind of want to break it down uh, a couple verses at a time so we can understand together a little bit more what is happening there. So let's look at that gospel text again today that was read for us. It begins in saying, at that time, and before I even go any further, let me just explain what's happening. At this time, uh, Matthew is writing for us that the disciples are going out to be able to share the word of the Lord. We're in chapter 12 today of Matthew. In chapter 10, Jesus brings all the disciples together, the 12 disciples, and he commissions them to go out into the world and to be able to share the gospel. And so he's taking them from place to place. And so that's where we're at in chapter 12 today. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. So notice, first of all, what they're doing. They're going from place to place. They are not stealing, by the way, today. Uh, this was a common practice of people being able to take 
small amounts out of different fields as they pass by. It's actually described within Scripture of something being okay. Uh, In my neighborhood, I have a lot of neighbors that have tons of orange trees, and one of the things they do when their orange or their lemon tree begins to grow, sometimes they'll just put bags out there, and it'll say, take some, please, free oranges, free lemons. They have so many, they, they want to get rid of them. It's not stealing when you go by, and that's uh, something that you can do. And the same thing is happening in our text today. They're not stealing, they're going by and taking some of these small pieces. But notice what day it is, too. Notice what day it is. It says that it's the Sabbath day. This kind of changes things in our text. Now, the Sabbath day was a special day for the people of Israel. It's a special day even for us. A time in which God, in the book of Exodus, gives everyone that command. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Be able to find rest in God. Be able to worship him. We move back to the book of Genesis. It's mentioned when God creates the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rests. And when he rests, uh, he's not tired. He doesn't have no more energy or something like that. He's admiring his work, the great work that he has done in creation. And he wants us to be a part of that too, to be able to find our rest in God and to be able to admire his great creation that he does throughout our life. But there's a problem with this today in our text. Did you hear what happens? The Pharisees get really upset with what the disciples are doing. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, look over there, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. The Pharisees have been trying to catch Jesus in a trap for a little while now, and they can't find anything to trap him with. And so in this moment, they're making him guilty by association. And they say, well, look at your followers. You're responsible for them. Look at what they're doing. And they start coming together, these, these men, and they're scheming. They're trying, trying to trap Jesus. Uh, it's like here in the, in the preschool sometimes. Uh, you'll see the kids out on the playground. And anytime I see, like, this little group of four or five boys over in the corner doing this, they're not doing anything good, right? They're not... Let's form a plan to go inside, and we're going we're gonna to clean Mrs. Garrett's room for her today. No, it's not what they're doing. They're, they're coming up with a plan. They're looking around. They want to be able to, to do something. So now we have these older individuals, these men today, on a very different note, but they're doing the same thing. They're scheming. How are we going to get Jesus? How are we going to go after him? The Pharisees uh, have put together so many different rules for the Sabbath. It has ruined what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is supposed to be this time of rest and this time of acknowledging God. And instead, they've created all these different laws, 39 different categories of work that you can't complete this day, all so that they can show how holy they are, of all the things that they are doing, of all the traditions that they are following, because this is what makes them holier than the people around them. God doesn't want us to do that in our lives, especially for us as Christians. He doesn't want us saying, you know, here are the things that I do that make God more happy that I am united with him than than other people in the world. Here are the things that I accomplish in my life that make me closer to God than maybe other people are in the world. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. At least I don't do the things that they do. We're not made to make those comparisons. They're trying to trap Jesus, and so he responds to them today. He gives them kind of this little three-point plan that we'll go over that he speaks to them. 
Jesus answers them, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? They entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Again, if you just read through this real quick in your scripture, or when Lynn was going through it today, we might, we might miss. What is, what, what's Jesus saying in our text for today? Look at this with me briefly this morning. He's talking about a time in the Old Testament in which David, the rightful king, is running from King Saul. Saul wants to kill David. He doesn't want him to be able to exist. And so as David is fleeing, he has nowhere to go. Uh, He has no resources to be able to have. And so he goes to the temple and he asks the priests if he can have some of the bread that is there if he and his companions can actually have some food. So every single week, uh, the priests would have taken 12 different loaves of bread. They were kind of like these flat cakes, and they would have placed them on the altar. And they would have set there 12 pieces of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel in this, again, tradition and ceremonial element of recognizing what God has done for his people. And then at the end of the week, when the Sabbath came around, the priests would eat the bread. That was part of their payment, it was part of their fill, it was part of their practice to be able to eat that. And then they would replace the bread once again. But only the priests were supposed to eat this. And so Jesus says today, well, what about David? What about when he ate that bread? Was that unlawful for him to do? It was according to the Sabbath day rules, according to the laws of being able to only have priests eat this bread. But if he didn't eat that, what would have happened to David? Would he have died? It's possible. And so the Lord says this is more important. It's more important to be able to take care of people than following our traditions. So he moves on to his second point then. Jesus says, Or haven't you read that in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. He says, that was in the past, but what about today in our time, Jesus says? What about the the priests and what they're doing? I know on the Sabbath day you're not supposed to work, but what are those priests doing over there? Aren't they working? Just like here, maybe for our present time, I show up every single Sunday to be able to work. Pastor Mark shows up most Sundays to be able to be here with us. I really do like you a lot. (laughs) But the priests are doing work on those days. The priests are doing something, and they're doing something super important. Remember one of the jobs of the priests that day? They were supposed to uh, be able to create sacrifices uh, for the people to be lifted up to God. So on behalf of the people, they would create these sacrifices. And when they did these sacrifices, it was for the people's forgiveness. And so if you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, what about these priests, he said? Aren't they breaking the law too? And what's more important, that they follow the law or that the people receive forgiveness of sins? He goes on and makes a third point verbally. He says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And this is a point all of us need to hear. Because Jesus pushes aside the traditions of man 
and he brings in the will of God. That he desires not for us to just be able to sacrifice, to lift that above others, but he desires mercy. For he has mercy on us, and we should have mercy to those who are around us. And I know at times in our life it's easy to be able to to question God. Some of us probably question God's timing. God, why is this happening right now? Or shouldn't something else be happening in my life right now? And when you question God in that way, I hope you remember, our God is not just Lord of the Sabbath, but he's Lord of time, too. He's Lord of space. He's Lord of of everything. Maybe you question God's healing at times. God, why are you not taking care of my, my son, my daughter, my mother, my father? God, what about those, those beautiful individuals that we talked about today? Why couldn't we have just one more year with them in our congregation? And we question God's timing. We question God's healing. We question God's passion. But remember, he is God and we are not. He is the one who creates all of these things. And Jesus says that today. He says, I am Lord of the harvest. I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord of all of these things. What I desire is what matters. Not sacrifice, but mercy. And one of the best things about our God then, and also for us today, is that he responds not only through his words, but always through his action. God always responds through his action, and that's how our story begins to wrap up today. Look at God's action in our text. Going on from that place, remember, he knows that the Pharisees are after him. He went into their synagogue, right into where they're at, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You see, that was one of the 39 categories that you couldn't heal anybody on the Sabbath. You couldn't do anything for them. Unless they were on the verge of death and going to die for sure that day, you couldn't alleviate their pain in any way. So they're trying to trap him again. Is it okay for us to be able to do that? Jesus goes on and he says to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take a hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He looks at all the people that are pointing at him, and he says, what about you? What if you lost one of your assets? A sheep falls into a pit that day. Are you really just going to leave it there? You're not going to pull it out? And if that is how much a sheep is worth to you, what about a person? I bet there's a lot of things in our life that we could think about that we have that sometimes we maybe treat better than people around us. Maybe your schedule becomes more important than your neighbor on a certain day. Maybe your time or your efforts or your energy becomes more important than serving God on a certain day. Maybe our bank account balance becomes more important than tithing on a certain day. It could be anything. All of the good things that God has handed over to us, we always take and we twist. And we break them. We mess with them. All because they don't fit our narrative. But remember, Christ tells us today, 
It is more important to be able to do good instead of following all these other things that we think need to be done. He goes on as our story starts to wrap up further. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Look at the turn this story takes at the end here. You would think people would be celebrating. They're in the temple. This poor man has this hand that has probably been crippled since birth. Think about his life, especially in the day and age that he lives with. Living today with only one working hand would be horrendous. Living at the time when this man lives, when he has to work, when he has to provide for himself, when he has to provide for his family with his hands to be able to do physical labor, would be super monotonous in his life. And so Jesus heals him. And what do the Pharisees do? They decide they're going to plot against him, that they're going to kill him. Why don't they celebrate? They don't like what this means for them. Jesus being good, Jesus being God, it changes their story. It changes their position. It changes their power. It changes their life. But we do the same today. We know the healing power of Jesus. We know the blessings that he gives to us but they don't always fit in the box that we want them to be able to fit in. And so often we push them aside too. There was a man who was an atheist, didn't believe in God at all, decided he was going to go out and go hunting one day. He goes out and he's hunting, he's looking for that prized deer, and he's sitting out by himself all day long, just waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing. Not one deer not one hoof print, not one sign of deer anywhere. And finally, he hears something in the bushes. And there it is, appears right before him. Not a deer, but a gigantic bear coming right at him. So he raises his rifle, and he points at the bear, and he fires, and click. The, the gun doesn't go off. So he raises it again, he tries to get the bullet in there, and he fires again, and click. Nothing happens. He throws his rifle down and in a last-ditch effort starts running for his life. The bear is chasing, getting closer and closer and closer to him, and he comes right up, and there's nothing but a cliff with a massive edge dropping down. If he goes over, he'll surely die. So in a last-ditch effort, again, he, he gets down on his knees right in front of the, the cliff, and he says, God, I know I have never prayed to you before, God, I don't even know if you're real. God, I, I just pray. I don't even know what to say. God, please make this bear a Christian bear. <laughs> and he finishes praying, and he doesn't hear anything. And he looks to his right, and he sees the bear sitting there <laughs> with his paws folded. And then he hears the bear's prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this bountiful meal you were about to provide for me. <laughs> Why do we go to God when we need him and at no other time? Why do we ignore God's love in our life when we just don't feel like it? Why do we push God's word aside 
when we think it just doesn't fit into our life during that day or during that hour, even when we know we are sinning. Because just as those Pharisees for us today, myself, Pastor Mark included, Jesus doesn't always fit into the box we want him to fit into. That's it. We don't think that he fits into our life, and so we, we push it aside. He'll forgive us later, right? He'll still be there for me tomorrow. I'm going to push him aside today. And it's easy to do, but it's not the right thing to do. What's more important is the relationship that we have with our Lord. When you hear that voice in your head, when you feel that element in your heart, when you have that notion in your gut, know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about what our way is versus what God's way is. But even though we sin, and all of us do it, remember, God gives us that forgiveness today that we heard about. And he does it not just through his words, but he does it also through his actions. That's how that story finished up today. Remember, that man is there, and God says, Stretch out your hand, and the man does, and his hand is healed. And then later on in the book of Matthew, we hear those words again, and God says, stretch out your hand, and Jesus does, and we are healed. Let's pray. God, we come to you today and praise you for stretching out your hands and your feet for us, Uh, for being able to go to the cross so that we can be here today and not just focus on uh, traditions or things that are good in our life, but but focus on you. Lord, even uh, as we prepare our hearts to be able to sing this last song, I ask that you uh, regenerate us as a congregation, as individuals, as families, to be able to go out into the world and to be able to serve you and to be able to share what your son has done for us. All of these things become and lift in your holy and precious name. Amen.